making rants and sense of SA's entertainment industry. Business of Entertainment with Martin Myers on K-Talk. On K-Talk. Good evening and welcome to Cape Talk, the business of entertainment. It's just past 9pm on Thursday and it's our time to dive into the machine that makes the entertainment magic happen with me, your host, Martin Myers. I look forward to welcoming you into my world of the business of entertainment for the next 30 minutes. So stay tuned, please. You won't be disappointed if you are invested in the same way we are. We bring in guests to have a fireside chat to talk about what they are doing in the business side of entertainment and to inspire us and influence us all. If you're new to the broadcast, we're talking about the business side of the entire entertainment space for the next 30 minutes. You can WhatsApp us on 072-567-1567 or tweet us at Cape Talk. And I'm delighted to welcome back for a second week. And yes, it's still chilly on a Thursday night. We had Nick Dahl in last week who talked about legends, people who changed South Africa for the better. Now, what am I talking about? Legends? Well, it's a book. And you have so many options in this business of entertainment. There's theater, there's film, there's concerts, there's rugby, there's cricket, and there's also a reading culture. That is entertainment. You can sit at home and pick up a book and read. And we delved in beautifully to the book Legends, People Who Changed South Africa for the Better. And what fascinated me was the wonderful story about the late, great Miriam Makeba, which he regaled so beautifully and eloquently about what a giant she was. But prior to that, he wrote a book, Rogue's Gallery, an irreverent history of corruption in South Africa from the, AN, from the VOC to the ANC by Matthew Blackman and Nick Dahl. And inside, I look at it and it says it's been reprinted three times. Nick, you must be thrilled. Reprinted three times. What does that mean? You must be making millions as an author. Yeah, I wish. Thank you for coming back, my friends. Lovely to have you in studio again. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me back, Martin. It's great to be here again. Um, yeah. Reprinted three times. Yeah, What's that it, mean? I think it might have even been reprinted a couple more times since that copy. Um, it. Yeah, sadly, it, it doesn't mean that I'm making millions, but it does mean that people are reading the book and and um, and and you know enjoying it. Is it your joy when you hear people on the other end, like myself, saying, "Hey, Nick, this book's been reprinted three times. You must be making gazillions." Because last week when we chatted, you said it's incredibly difficult to sustain a 365-day year living out of writing books. But you alluded to, and we didn't have time to touch on, that's why I'm so grateful that you've come in back this week. You do other things as well to fill this MA that you have in creative writing from UCT to fill the coffers. What else is in your bouquet of writing excellence, should I say? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, everything I do is writing, but I, I write journalism um, and, and a lot about history, you know, the stuff that I'm interested in, but I also write profiles of people doing cool stuff and I do quite a lot of environmental stuff about um, flies and chameleons and, and just sort of stuff that interests me so so that's enjoyable um, you know like it's just stuff that fascinates me anyway um, and I do copywriting so just helping companies to really make clear messaging you know for for myself out there and our listeners 
what is copywriting? Some people automatically think of it oh, as that slogan or that tagline on an advertisement. It's more to it's more than that. Am I right? No, well, I've done adverts, um, but and radio jingles and all of that. But basically, copywriting is any writing that you do where you're paid to help a company send out a message. So it could be, you know, the back of a wine bottle, but it could also be just an email that a lawyer sends to all their clients about the change in legislation and how it's going to affect the, their investment somewhere or something, you know, it's, uh, so it, it's just um, when a company wants to say something and say it clearly, they, they need a copywriter. The word is so powerful. Am I correct? The That pen on a piece of paper. Do you have a favorite saying or a favorite motto or a word that you go by that pushes you along each day? Because you mentioned last week, writers write. Yeah, writers write. I think the other one is that history matters to me. Like, Explain. I, yeah, I just think that, you know, history is sort of, can have a reputation of being sort of dusty and boring and, and kind of fuddy-duddy. But, I mean, it's, it's, we're built on our history. It's, 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 it's extremely relevant. And, and like, it really, I mean, people say history repeats itself. That's boring, but it, it really does. And, and. I, you know, I, I, I love your phrase, dusty and boring, because. I think South Africa is anything but that with our past and looking forward. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, our, yeah, we may be many things, but boring is not one of them. <laughs> you mentioned last week that, that Tarbo Bester case. I mean, you can't make that up. Am I correct? It, it, it's, waiting for, it's waiting for a book. It's waiting for a series, stuff like that. No, totally. Or a Hollywood movie. I mean, that, but it's, we've had things like that before um and we will have them again and i think all countries have crazy things going on in their history but there's something about the conditions here that seem to make them happen more often must be the sunlight and, yeah <laughs> but but i w wanted to go back to this rogues gallery and the the titles of the the chapters are just so how can i say poignant william willem adrian van der Stel at the company's expense. Lord Charles Somerset taking advantage of birth. I love this. Cecil John Rhodes, part two, because you've got two parts here. The Colossal Corrupter. We haven't even got into the Bruderbond and the brothers Matanzima, corruption of the homeland, etc. So <sighs> this rogues gallery, corruption is not new to, how can I say, the tip of Africa. Am I correct? No, it's it's certainly not. Um, maybe I should just sort of start with by telling the story of Willem Adrian van der Stel because that sort of sets it all up quite nicely. Please do. Well, or maybe I should go back even a little bit further. To I mean, Jan van Riebeck was sent here because he was found guilty of corruption in the East. So being sent to the Cape was kind of a punishment and a second chance to kind of if you if you do ten years at the Cape, maybe you'll get a good job after that. Mm -hmm. And and he didn't he wasn't really guilty of corruption at the Cape because there was nothing to steal yet there wasn't really an economy he was he was tasked with setting it up. Um, but um, Willem Adrian van der Stel was appointed governor of the Cape in 1700, 
Um, his dad, Simon, had been governor before him, so there was a touch of nepotism to it all. Um, and at the time, so South Africa wasn't a country, it was a company outpost of the Dutch East mm -hmm. India Company, or the VOC. And the way it worked was the VOC had the castle and they had like the sort of military kind of administration of the, of the colony. It wasn't even a colony, it was a settlement. And then they had people called Freeburgers who were not company employees who were tasked with farming and providing the produce that the company sold to the passing ships that are headed to or from the east. So the whole distinction was the company did the admin, the Freeburgers did the farming. That was how it was meant to work. And to enforce this rule, like the, or this distinction, there was a rule that company employees couldn't own land larger than a private garden and, you know, have more than like a cow, a couple of chickens, you know, just for their private mm -hmm. use, a few apple trees. So Willem Adrian van der Stel, the first thing he did upon being appointed governor was he granted himself um, the land on which Verglichen, Morgenstern, Lawrenceford, and the town of Somerset West are currently situated. And then also land, sort of hinterland, onwards to about Worcester. So he granted himself this land, even though he was only allowed at a private garden. And then he used the company labor, seeds, slaves, carpenters, wagons, like everything that was owned by the company to establish this, this magnificent farm um, at Fairfield. Which is still there today. It is still there today. Uh, there's some dispute as to whether the original building is still there, and I can get onto that. Um, and it was magnificent, but it was completely illegal. And, and it didn't cost him a cent to develop because he used company means. Um, and then the, this is not even the end of it. So he had this huge farm and he produced more produce than any other farm in the Cape. And he sold this, you know, more wine, more wheat, more apples, everything. And he sold it all back to the company that he controlled at prices he determined. So, I mean, it's the absolute perfect loop of corruption. That's why we call it in the book in Kandla 1.0. Um, but the, the good thing about the story, and this, this um, comes into legends, is that he didn't get away with it. Mm -hmm. um, there's, uh, the Freeburgers were so fed up that they, um, they wrote a, a complaint. Uh, it was called the Memorandum or something. Uh, it was like a 60-page complaint written, you know, with a feather quill that they smuggled onto a ship bound to Amsterdam. Um, and it's a very long and entertaining story, but basically, eventually, Willem Adrian van der Stel was fired and, and forced to, to live out his days a wealthy but disgraced man in Holland, which is always what seems to happen to these guys. Now, I'm... Um Hearing this history, and you said it's some people confine history to dusty plains and it gets up in cobwebs and everything else. Should this book not be in schools for, for people to read? Because you describe with such vigor and color a dark subject, but the, the light in the reading is there. You know, yeah. is that your wish? And the same thing with, with, with legends. When you came in last week and you talked about um, the late, great Maria Makeba. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it should be in schools and, and it is in some schools, not not all yet. Mm. I mean, that's, to be honest, we, we made, because Rogue's Gallery is actually quite funny. Well, I mean, I think it is. Uh, 
and and we made it was a conscious decision. We just thought writing about 350 years of corruption is going to get depressing. So let's sort of keep ourselves going mm-hmm. by making as many jokes as we can. And and the thing is, corruption is actually quite a funny subject. It's quite easy to laugh at the expense of these these deviants. <laughs> Legends, which is about good people, it's harder to be sort of laugh out loud funny. I think Le- Legends is probably more sort of heartwarming and, and humorous. Just for, for listeners yeah. who, who, who are tuning in, um, Legends is the new book that's just come out in the last couple of weeks. When was Rogue's Gallery published? That was last year, wasn't it? It there's been a book in between them. I would have to check the, I think Rogue's Gallery was 2021. Yeah. Yeah, 2021. There was a book in between them, which was about elections, which is a bit more serious, but anyway. We'll, oh, we've got that coming up yeah. next year. I can see there's plenty of food for thought there for uh, for another one. Um, you write with a partner, Matthew Blackman. Mm-hmm. Again, how much re- research into Rogue's Gallery and... I've got options on the business of entertainment. I can do lots of things with my money. Why must I buy books? So what is the question? Sorry, how do I write with a partner? How do you write with your partner? And then I've got lots of options. Why must I buy books? Yeah, so the writing with a partner, it's actually been quite easy. So what we do is we, at the beginning of each book, we all of our books have had about 12 chapters. So we divide it. You know the, the kind of natural divisions, like oh, I'm interested in the VOC period. I'm interested in here. Matthew's very interested in roads. So like we we split it six six chapters each. Um, we do our own research. Research. So I research my chapters. He researches his. Um, but we talk a lot. Um, on the phone, just chatting about stuff and like bouncing ideas off one another. And I read all of his chapters before anyone else reads them and he reads all of mine before anyone else reads them and we so, so do you find a tone across that works for both of you in terms of um the writing yeah so obviously we do have slightly different styles so that's been a but you know now this is our third book so we kind of um we're pretty close we kind of know what what we meant to sound like and and i edit his to like you know add a bit of my vibe and he adds a bit of his vibe to mine and and i think it i don't think you can really tell who who wrote which i mean i hope you can't i hope so too but now going back to the genesis and i tend to use that word quite often in our discussions how long does it take to put it together this is not a six-week period what do you decide okay we're going to write rogues gallery do we come up with the title first and then start looking who we want in the gallery how does that work to to put it together because there is so much to choose from so i think you generally have a working title but that can unchange that can change until the very last day and it often does um which can sometimes have problems you actually see like websites publishing advertising books with the wrong title and stuff because the publishers have to send the title the covers out before they go to print and then they make a last minute change and and, and that can happen um yeah obviously deciding who you're going to include is is an important consideration like you can't really start until you've done that um but you can add to it you know you can think oh we better add so and so um 
it takes a, yeah it takes about a year for us to write one but it's not you know that's not every single day you know like because we we focus on different chapters and different individuals you know you can you can sink a month into a person and then you can take a week or two off and then attack someone else you know and that's so like they've kind of been written in spurts you know sometimes you'll do four guys in two months and then nothing for three months you know that that can happen what what is your process you were talking you were doing it in spurts and that do you like to sometimes set the month of november okay i'm going to do x amount of chapters i'm going to do x amount of research what is your methodology in terms of putting putting something like this down yeah i mean that's the theory uh like but life gets in the way you know i've got kids and you know you, uh, other work comes along and you just or the waves are good or you know whatever and you you've got to make got to make decisions how do you make those decisions you said life gets in the way when do you find the best time to write creatively a lot of musicians that i've spoken to and in that side of the business say it's that one o'clock in the morning i wake up i start jotting things down on a piece of paper or start singing a tune in, in into a voice note what, uh, what, no I'm, what I'm, I'm hopeless at night i'm 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 basically like uh an amoeba after about 7 p.m <laughs> so um yeah, I'm a I'm an early bird. Um, so I, you know, when I'm really, you know, I, I wake up at five like normally. But if I'm really in the vibe, I can wake up at four and you know just sort of everything's quiet and like, like my mind's still working and the coffee's flowing and yeah, is things it happen. Pen, is it pen to paper or you're writing to a laptop straight away in terms of no, writing? I, Some I people can, say creatively it's better to use pen and paper. No, no, I can barely write anymore on my hands. I don't know. This, I seem to have lost the ability. Mm. Even filling in a bank form or something is a challenge. <laughs> so you're a doctor reading the yeah. scroll. Reading the scroll. Let's crystal gaze. You've got these two successful books out now. What other areas interest you in terms of history? And go back because you're a young South African. You have this love of history. Unpack that a little bit more for us because we don't seem to understand that enough as we get older. History is important. They yeah, say it is. Yeah, I'd, I always enjoyed history, but I, and I, I did study it at university, but I didn't even major in it. And I don't know, I just, once I started learning a bit about our history, it just was so interesting that I wanted to fill in all the gaps and and that kind of thing. So a lot of it has just been my me trying to work out what happened. And then, you know, books kind of happen as a result. Um, you know, it's not the only thing that matters, but I do think it is one of the things that matters. You know, like, I just feel like in this country, there's a lot of problems, and and the problems are the same problems that they've always been. You know, like land is probably the biggest problem, and and it's quite easy to like get angry when you see a sort of settlement arriving on the side of the highway or something, and and that's not tenable, and that's I don't think anyone wants that. But if you look at the fact that this has been going on for 350 years, you know, people have been you know, pitching up here and taking land and saying you can live here, you can't live here, and and, and all of that. If 
if you understand what's happened over 350 years, you you could hopefully look at it, you know, instead of getting angry and thinking, why are they doing this? You can think, how are we going to sort this out? You know? Throughout the two weeks that you've given us um, your time, and I'm very grateful for that on the business of entertainment, your points and nuance of the word has been incredibly measured and thoughtful. Are you a positive person with where we're going, elections 2024? Young people always say, we've got to go, we've got to leave South Africa, the future's outside South Africa. Yet you pick up these two books that are diametrically opposed to one another, but there's beauty in the writing. How do you reconcile that? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i not only positive. I mean, I think it's impossible to be only positive about this country. There is stuff going on that, that isn't good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's There's no doubt. But there is also stuff that is good. I, I wouldn't – I'm not planning to leave. And I, and I wouldn't leave to run away because, I mean, I would – leave because I wanted to go somewhere else and do something different you know I I definitely wouldn't be on the first plane to Australia or thank yeah, you yeah, you know there are too many Australians there <laughs> um, like I, I but if, if if an opportunity came up in I don't know somewhere exotic and exciting to do a few years somewhere in like I don't know Colombia or Portugal or something you know like that could be fun I'm going to put you on the spot do you have non-fiction writers that you look to and say that's a writer that's the sort of benchmark of of good writing i, I look at barack obama's picture book um with pete Souza, who had access to him 365 days a year and put together this glorious coffee table book um are there people whether it be in europe or in or in the states who you go these guys are really good but they've got access that is unbelievable to to the subject matter yeah, I mean, so in South Africa, I mean, Charles von Onselen, his his history books are great. I mean, they they you know micro histories. He he really, I mean, he's he's got the time, you know, being a tied to universities and stuff. He can really, you know, put the effort mm. into like go. You know, he's going through like little slips and you know the visitors' books of brothels and like tell you know like it's super detailed stuff. But I mean, and then he makes it really come alive. Um, another writer that I, re- I really l- admire is um, Michaela Michaela Wrong, who she's a British writer, but she's written mainly nonfiction about Africa. And her book, In the Footsteps of Mr. Kurtz, was about um, Mobutu Sese Seko in um, Zaire. Zaire. And I mean, it's it's one of the best. It's It's just about this crazy dictatorship, but it's just got so many asides and crazy stories and it's just also beautifully written and i mean that's not the only one like that that's my favorite one um it, it's it's one of the best books i've ever read and, and it's definitely something i aspire to write like that um yeah, those, those would be two who have who've left a mark on me and, and and a lot i mean when i was trying to write novels um yeah that you know, it's it's a bit cliched, but the people like Hemingway, Fitzgerald, um, the that, that era, yeah. I, I read a lot of a lot of those books, and I I did like their sort of brevity. You know, m- musicians some are schooled and can read music 
quicker than we can speak. Um, you did this MA in creative writing. Was that in, an important defining factor in shaping your writing and as who you are? I mean, you met your partner there, Matthew Blackman. So there was a good outcome, but everything else around it. Is it important to get that academic understanding of the word? Um, I was very young when I did it. I think I was 22 when I started. Um, so it was good in that it, like, to do that degree, you have to complete a book. So it kind of forced me to do that. And, and, and you also, I don't know if it was really academic. Like, like I felt like the other real benefit was that every week we got together. So there were a dozen of us or so we sit around a table and each of us would read something we'd written that week. And the others had like the liberty to tear strips off it and to tell you how it sucked. And, and I think that was a very good experience because it just, it teaches you well to get better and to not feel too precious about, you know, people critiquing your work because that is going to come, you know, we're coming to the end of a fascinating two weeks discussion with Nick Dahl, author of legends, people who changed South Africa for the better and a book prior to that, um, rogues gallery, where he deals with all the skellums that have happened. Um, Nick, any takeouts for young creatives to to write? You did mention last week, writers write. Yeah. But what else do they do that, that one could apply to yourself now? Because sometimes people are scared to write. And why, part two of the question, why must we get either one of these books? So, I mean... I think I think the problem with writing is that we can all do it. Everyone knows how to write, but but to write well, I think that the only thing that really, you know, obviously some people have talent, but but I think practice is is the the big sort of leveler. If if you do it a lot, you get better at it. And and I mean to make a living as a writer, there are easier ways to make a living in this country. Um, You've just got to, you've also got to sort of hustle a bit, you know, to kind of market yourself. You can't just write. You need to be finding places, people to actually pay you to write. And that's kind of the whole point. Do you have a website where all of this is encapsulated, where people can see what you've done and all of that? Yeah, I do. Uh, so, uh, Nick Dahl, .co.za. Not uh, Joel, Dahl. No, Dahl. D-A-L-L. Yeah. .co.za, Nick Dahl. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's the it's the highest ranking website on the, on the internet, but uh, it, if you want to find out what I do, it, it is there. And projects that you're looking going forward, um, anything exciting in the pipeline? Another book? You did mention last week there's a chapter two, or a book two of legends, people who changed South Africa for the better. Yeah, so I mean, there, there are definitely more good South Africans to write about, and there are definitely more skeletons to write about. Mm. You know, we could write a whole sequel to rogues gallery since 20 you know since covid um we matthew and i are also interested in um going a bit beyond south africa and sort of exploring the colonial you know the history because south africa's history isn't it is unique but it's also got parallels with other countries in the colonies mm -hmm. and doing something a bit more international that could maybe you know 
interest international readers, you know, like have some South Africans and some in India and some in other parts of Africa and South America. Um, so that's another thing we're looking at. And you've got a family. Um, we don't even want to get into personal details and that. Your wishes for your, for your kids and that. You don't want to live vicariously through them. or, or they, They've got their own journey, am I correct? They, yeah, my kids are still young, but I mean, uh, you know, if they if one of them wanted to become a writer, I'd, I'd probably ask them if they were sure, um, <laughs> and then and then let them do it if they really were. Yeah. And um, books that you're reading now that you that that you one gets tickled pink by that you you see. Okay, hang on, this is interesting. Besides your stuff that's out. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just trying to think. Um, I've just seen the the one by Elon Musk. Um, what's it, Walter Isaacson, the same or the same gentleman who wrote about Steve Jobs. Yeah, that that looks really fascinating. But I mean, he's been given unfettered access to the to the bloke. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I think I'll probably um, I want to. I haven't because I've been so busy. But I want to read Johnny Steinberg's um, Winnie and Nelson on on Nelson Mandela's marriage. That's that's probably the next thing i'll read and on that wonderful note at 9 30 we close off two beautiful weeks with nick Dahl. please go get his book legends people who changed south africa for the better and rogues gallery particularly legends to read about because we are the business of entertainment read about the extraordinary story on Maria makeba and if you missed that episode all of them are available on cape talk you go to the podcast page you click through there's a line that says business of entertainment and all the interviews are up there expertly produced as they are each week by my producer barry marie and we're sitting here in a chilly cape town cape town tonight at 9 30 closing off saying thank you good night and see you next week ciao Making brands and sense of SA's entertainment industry. Business of Entertainment with Martin Myers on K Talk. On K Talk. <laughs>